What's up, everybody? This is the Booch, and this shout out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of the Boochcast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows, movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right. The Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25 you can get a personalized video from me on cameo and it can be for any occasion that you want you got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday I'll make it happen you want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college I'll make it happen whether it's a happy holidays video it can be a gender reveal it can be somebody who needs some motivation you want the boots to motivate you or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with I'll help make the breakup happen or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style all you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch 365 there'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the booch cast from now till the end of time go there book your video customize it however you want let me know how you want it done and i will make it happen for you so go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we have what you know I like to call a new classic pay-per-view review. And what that means is we're looking at a pay-per-view from yesteryear, but this is not a classic that I took off of the SoundCloud page as I was doing a transition from SoundCloud episodes to the Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio pages or platforms. This is a new one that we have conjured up and recorded for you guys to check out that's never been heard before until today. Now, before we get into this official episode, I do have something I need to talk about here on the show. Now, I got a little confession here. At the time that I'm sitting here recording this intro, it is 2.16 a.m. on Monday. And the reason that I'm recording this intro now is because I had to revise the intro that I had already recorded as I was editing this episode. See, what had happened was, originally, Gator Ricky Ross was supposed to join me for this episode. We were supposed to have this whole thing recorded by this past Thursday. Gator had something come up, money-wise, and could not make the show. So I said, okay, let's reschedule. Uh, We tried doing it Friday. Friday was no good. Saturday, he had a show. But he told me his exact fucking words to me were, I am available all day Sunday. That's what he said to me. So I said, okay, let's do Sunday. And he said, okay. I said, well, what time on Sunday? He said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I got to go. Goodbye. This is something he has done to me a lot that I fucking hate. And it makes me angry and fuels my body with rage. Because every time he does that or yeses me to death, it never gets done. That's why I get mad when he goes, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Because it never actually gets fucking done. So anyway, Sunday rolls around. I call him around 3.30. I get no answer. So I leave him a voicemail to call me back. Around 5.13, he calls me back. Wants to know why I called. I told him about, hey, we got to do this pay-per-view today. And he said, well, I got to go because I got to make some money. Or I'm busy right now. I'm making some money. I said, Gator, you told me you were available all day Sunday. He goes, yeah, but something came up. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And he said, I didn't have the time. I said, you're telling me in this whole 24-hour day, from when you found out that you were busy till now, you couldn't be bothered to tell me what's going on. You don't have time to call or text or nothing. I find that hard to believe. And he said, well, I can't do anything right now. I'm in the car. You want me to text you while I'm in the car? I said, well, you couldn't text me before you got in the car? He goes, well, I didn't know exactly what I was doing or where I'd be going. I said, well, I don't need to know all that. If you're busy, just tell me you're busy. Something came up and we'll reschedule. He said, okay, well, something came up. We got to reschedule. I got to go. Goodbye. And he does this stupid fucking shit again. So now I'm fucking fuming. I am mad. I am like Cornette just opened the door to a room and Russo's sitting on the couch type of mad. Because I thought we were past all this shit. Where Gator was going to be reliable. Gator was going to be more available. We had worked this shit out. So now I see this moment. And as I'm fuming over this bullshit, I had seriously considered firing Gator from the Boochcast. In fact, I did a whole entire intro about how I had officially fired him. So at that point, I was done. Now, of course, Gator called me later in the night saying he was available to record. But I couldn't because I had to pick Zach up from work. So Gator and I have this long talk as I'm in the middle of editing this episode. And I pretty much tell Gator, I'm going to fire him from the show. Well, Gator tries to talk me out of it, saying we don't need to be hasty. Let's not do this. I said, well, Gator, if this is going to continue, I can't have you on the show. We need to, you need to get your shit together. And you need to stop disrespecting me. Now, of course, he says he's not disrespecting me or he doesn't mean to disrespect me. And maybe he's right. Maybe he didn't mean to disrespect me. But whether he meant to or not is irrelevant. The fact is, when you're constantly canceling on me or no-showing on me, that's disrespect. Especially when you don't give me proper notice ahead of time that things are happening. 
or you make promises and you don't keep them. That's a problem. So we have this serious heart-to-heart, come-to-Jesus, or in this case, come-to-Leonard-Skinnerd conversation. And I basically tell Gator, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to make this right. So basically, later this week, and again, I'm breaking massive kayfabe here, but I don't care. Gator and I have two recordings we have to do. One is a Dark Side of the Ring recording. We're going to be shooting the Chris and Tammy review of Dark Side of the Ring this week. And then also, we're doing the pay-per-view review of November to Remember 1999. So we're going to be recording those this week, so they can come out at a later date. Obviously, um, the Chris and Tammy video will come out at a much later date, once I have all the Dark Sides done and, and ready to be edited and to go and of course November to remember 99 is supposed to come out at the end of the month that's the plan so I told Gator we have two recordings and he needs to show up for them so basically this is how it works if Gator shows up for the recordings and also sticks to the schedule that we have made and continues to be professional then obviously I will keep Gator on the show but the next time Gator no shows and doesn't give me proper notice I will fire him from the show so Gator right now is basically Basically on probation. I'm giving him a chance to stay on the show because he wants to stay on the show. And I want Gator on the show because Gator is talented and he does bring ratings. I, I admit that. But as much as I enjoy having him on the show and as much as he brings ratings to the show, I can't continue to be disrespected with no showing. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't stand in the way of people on the Boochcast having to do something for money job related. I've never asked them to put this show before their jobs. But if you do schedule something with me, I expect you to honor the commitment or let me know well in advance if you can't. And Gator has not done that for a very long time. We finally got a system in place where this could work and now we have another incident. So I'm basically putting Gator on probation. We'll see how long the probationary period lasts. It's an indefinite probation. I don't know when I'm going to take it off. But as long as Gator honors his commitments and we get the things recorded that we need recorded and they come out in a timely manner, he will continue to be part of the show. But the next time he no-shows, the next time he disrespects me in that regard, he's gone. And I'm making that clear. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. So if at some point, if Gator is no longer part of the Boochcast, that's going to be the reason why. But hopefully, he sticks around. And in the meantime, in between time, I'll be doing this particular episode by myself. And with that said, we're going to jump right now into the pay-per-view reviews and how this works is, um, you know, I look at this from the perspective of not just someone who is a fan of wrestling, but also someone who works in the business. As you guys know, I've been an announcer, a commentator. I've done street team shit that I pray to God I never have to do again. I popped the popcorn. I've chauffeured wrestlers to and from the show. I've managed Buff Bagwell in and out of the ring. I pretty much have the indie scene covered. And the pay-per-view we're going to be looking into this week is ECW, November to Remember, 1995. Now, this was the third November to Remember pro wrestling event produced by ECW. It took place on November 18th, 1995 in the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This event marked the return of Sabu to ECW after a stint in WCW. And it was also the ECW debut of the Blue Meanie. So those are some interesting facts about this uh, particular show. And there was 1,150 people in attendance for this event. 
And we're going to kick things off here with our first official match of the evening. We have Donnie Allen versus the Broad Street Bully. Now, Bubba Ray Dudley comes out because he's a special guest ring announcer for this match. He has on his traditional Dudley gear as well as a blazer, a top hat, and a bow tie to kind of show that he's being, you know, distinguished and sophisticated despite the fact that he is, in fact, a Dudley. And the crowd chants, What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? He takes the mic and says, Good evening, fine people of Philadelphia, and welcome to Extreme Championship Wrestling's third annual November to Remember. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, the fans, and my adoring Dudley brothers for all the help that they've given me with my small little problem. No longer do I stand before you an insecure, nervous, stuttering prick. I guess with that in mind, live from the ECW Arena in beautiful and extreme downtown Southern Philadelphia, let's get ready to so he basically stutters the word rumble. He's trying to say rumble, but he's stuttering. He then says, oh, fuck this. And then clocks Donnie Allen and hits him with a bubba bomb, which ends the match in a no contest. So that's basically the opening of this show. It's a match that ends in a no contest. And for whatever reason, the time was one minute and 16 seconds. So obviously, there's no match here to analyze, but I will say that Bubba Ray Dudley was hilarious in this. I thought this was very entertaining. And obviously, the stuttering Dudley thing was something we saw a little bit of in the early days of their WWE run. But eventually, they quickly got rid of that because you can't do that stuttering bit forever if you want to be taken seriously as wrestlers, which obviously the Dudley boys did. So Bubba had to get rid of that shit eventually, but it worked here in ECW, and it was entertaining. So since the match ends in a no contest because Donnie Allen is unable to continue, we move on to the next match of the evening, which is impromptu. We got Bubba Ray Dudley with Big Dick Dudley, Chubby Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and Dances with Dudley versus the Broad Street Bully. So Broad Street Bully jumps on his back, and then Bubba flips him over. Bully punches him in the face, and Bubba sells like he's hurt, but then punches him and hits a Bubba Bomb for the win. And this match basically lasted 57 seconds, barely a minute. This is a squash match, which again was nothing really special unless you like seeing Bubba Ray Dudley beat up the Broad Street Bully. But I barely know shit about the Broad Street Bully, so this match wasn't really all that exciting. And basically, it's just random ass moment that entertained the fans, maybe. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Jason versus Conan. Now, Conan was working for AAA during this time, which is why he was able to work the show. So even though technically Conan in 95 was in WCW, he was actually in WCW as part of a uh, working partnership between WCW and AAA Wrestling where they would bring in luchadors. So technically Conan at the time did not have a contract with WCW. He had a contract with AAA. So because he had the contract with AAA, Conan was free to work in ECW in addition to WCW because he didn't have an exclusive contract with either company. So he was free to work wherever. That was the loophole. Because it kind of confused me because I'm sitting here thinking, Conan was in WCW, what the fuck's he doing here? But that's why he was able to work around that. Now Taz was the special guest referee for this match. Now, Joey asks why he is dressed like this, and Taz says, Joey Styles, my attire is irrelevant. Don't be confused by what you see. 
The situation lies like this. The ECW would not give me clearance to wrestle. They say I'm an insurance risk. So I'm just here to enforce my will. I ain't no referee. Jason Rosen says, you know what? I've had enough of you. You're here to enforce what? You can't enforce nothing. From the first time I pinned you here to the last time when I was kicking your ass. And I'm talking like you ignorant fool all over the place. Look at you, you intrepid son of a bitch. What are you looking at me for? You want something? You want to do something? Well, come on. Let's see how hard you hit. You've been going to the gym. What? Oh, good, Taz. Little monkey boy is over here to enforce his will. Taz takes the mic and says, Jason... I'm here to do a job, and here's the deal. If you're ready to go, and Conan is ready to go, because the way I see it, you got your hands full with him, you better keep your fucking hands off me. Jason says, oh yeah? Oh, you know something that's really funny? You're having fun cussing at me. What do you do when you're sitting at home for fun? Sitting around watching Star Wars? Taz takes the mic and says, Jason, are you ready to go? He says, yeah. He looks over at Conan and says, Conan, you ready to go? He nods his head, yes. Taz says, good, and then punches Jason in the face and calls for the bell to start the match. Conan chops him and then does a razor's edge, and Taz fast counts the win. He grabs the mic and says, winner, Conan. He raises his hand and leaves the ring. So, despite the talking points in this match, which I will say, great promo by Taz, decent one by Jason, the match itself lasts 14 seconds. So, in the span of maybe two, two and a half minutes, we had three matches already take place. So, this pay-per-view is already off to a weird-ass start here. You got three matches, and they're all squashes. I don't get the point in that. I don't know why they would do that. And to me, that's just for goddamn ridiculous. Because I know if this happened in WWE, people would shit upon it. But for some reason, ECW is able to get away with this shit. Because at the time, ECW had very much a cult-like following. This was basically wrestling for grunge fans, is the best way I can describe this. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got Stevie Richards with the Blue Meanie versus El Puerto Riquino or Riquenio. I don't know how to pronounce this. I'll be very honest. But either way, this was the first match that was actually a match. And even this one didn't last very long, but at least there was some actual wrestling here. Uh, Puerto does some weird turning crossbody off the top rope onto Stevie on the floor, and they land awkwardly. Puerto brings him back into the ring and then punches him and does a lion's salt. Now, I'm not sure if that was meant to be a pin or not at one point. The ref went for the count, and he quickly got up off, off of Stevie. Either way, there should have been a pin attempt there after the lion's salt. Further proof that certain wrestlers care more about doing stupid spots rather than look like they're trying to win a match. Also, that was a one count, not a two, so Joey definitely botched there. He's like, oh, that's a two count. No, Joey, that was one. That was a one count, brother. That was a one. But again, this is another example of being believable in wrestling. You're supposed to make the people believe you're in an actual fight or that you're actually trying to win. So you should always be going for a win. If you have an opportunity to pin, you cover somebody. Now, obviously, the person can kick out where they kick out at one or they kick out at two. It doesn't matter. Depending on what you hit them with, it matters. But in general, if you're getting kickouts, that's fine. At least it looks like you're trying to win. But everybody has the attitude of, oh, I can't pin him here because we got to do this spot next. And we got this spot next. And we got to go over here. And when it's blatantly obvious to the audience that you're jumping from one spot to the next, it's not as interesting. You should always be going for the win. 
Make it look like you're trying to win. Whatever moves you do in a match, it should be done in a way that looks like you're trying to win. Especially if you're the babyface. Which I'm assuming Puerto is the babyface here, if I remember correctly. I think Stevie Richards is the heel. I'm guessing. Puerto goes up top and it's a massive drop kick. He then hits a suicide dive onto the blue meaning. Why? He wasn't doing anything disruptive, and the fact that he backed up before he did it should have been an indicator to the meanie something was happening, so he looks stupid for standing there and taking it. Again, moments that look fake as fuck in wrestling. If you can tell that someone's coming at you, why the fuck would you stand there? And if I hear one more person tell me it's to protect the talent, I'm going to kick them in their fucking teeth. Look, I understand you're supposed to take care of your opponent, but you're still supposed to do it in a way that doesn't look obvious that you're protecting him. It's still supposed to look like a fight. That's the art form of wrestling. Doing things safely, but still having it look menacing. Where it looks like somebody's hurt, but in reality, they're not hurt at all. That's the secret to wrestling. That's what people have forgotten. So this spot was stupid. There was no reason to attack the Blue Meanie. The only time you should be attacking somebody at ringside is if they're interfering in the match. If they're trying to prevent you from winning. Then when you hit them with something, they pop because they're sick and tired of seeing this person interfere. The Blue Meanie wasn't doing anything. And obviously, the Blue Meanie doesn't have a rivalry with anybody because this was his debut. This is the first time the Blue Meanie has shown up in ECW. So Puerto has no excuse for doing that dive. So Puerto looks stupid for doing it. Meanie looks stupid for taking it because he clearly saw him coming. Again, fucking ridiculous. Stevie regains control and hits a Stevie bomb. He taunts for a bit and then looks like he's going for a suplex, but drops him stomach first onto the ropes. He then hits a second Stevie bomb. He then brings in the Blue Meanie and asks him to go up top. He boosts him up, and then Blue Meanie goes for a moonsault and misses. Stevie kicks him out of the ring, and Puerto rolls him up for a two count. That was a good spot. I love that. But then Stevie hits a super kick for the win. So Stevie gets the win here. Like I said, there's one good spot in the match. The rest of it fucking sucked. And overall, the match was three minutes and three seconds. So even though there was one good spot, maybe if the match had gone on longer and there were other good spots in the match, I might be able to overlook the shitty ones. But because of how short the match is, this one sucked too. So we have four matches in a row that are absolute fucking garbage. And three of them were taken over by great segments and promos. But the actual matches are garbage. So, so far, this pay-per-view is not off to a good start. There's already a lot of stupid shit happening in this show. And like I said, there's 12 matches on this fucking card, which again makes no fucking sense. And so far, four of them absolutely suck, which is not good. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got the Eliminators with Jason versus the Pitbulls with Francine. So Saturn and Pitbull 1 start things off. They lock up but can't overpower each other until Saturn dots the eyes. Pitbull no-sells punches in the corner and quickly gains control. Pitbull number 2 tags in and number 1 had to drop toe hold and number 2 comes off the top rope with an elbow. Great teamwork. Again, this is what I love to see in wrestling. Great tag team moves, great tag team work, great offense like that is always fun to see. Cronus gets tagged in and hit the dragon suplex. I love that he releases it because it's safety. Unlike Kenny Beto when he does his snap dragon, su dragon suplexes, he damn near fucking kills the guy. Here, at least he releases it so there's safety involved. So I like that. And again, he's doing it safely but not making it obvious that there's safety. It's obvious to me because I'm trained to look for it. But the untrained eye wouldn't catch that. 
And that's key. Saturn gets tagged in, and they hit a double headbutt and a spinning back kick. Saturn springboards and takes Pitbull off the ring apron. Number two doesn't fall off the apron until a minute after getting clotheslined, which was stupid. Again, delayed reaction. Looks fake. Looks stupid. Cronus gets Saturn a boost so he can moonsault over the ropes, and number two on the floor. Clearly, he's waiting to catch him. Looks fake as fuck. Not surprising. Cronus with a scoop slam and then hits the Cronus crutch, which is a flipping leg drop, which was pretty good. Good spot, good move. Cronus hits a belly-to-belly suplex and then continues to dish out more punishment. Cronus hits a scoop slam and tags in Saturn. It's a flying elbow for a two count. He then hits a Frankensteiner for a two count. Cronus gets tagged back in. They launch number two into the air and slammed him into the mat. Love the double team moves. Loving them. These are well done. They move very fluently, and it's fun to see. Saturn goes for another Frankensteiner, but number two hits a powerbomb off the top rope for a two count. Now, they say they broke up the pin, but I didn't see anyone break up the pin. So I feel like that was the referee stopping on his own. So that looked really odd to me. Number one finally gets tagged in. It comes in like a house of fire until the Eliminators cut him off, but then number one hits a double clothesline, taking both men out. Match turns into a brawl. Saturn hits a tiger bomb for a two count. The Pitbulls send Cronus out of the ring with a massive clothesline. They hit the guillotine on Saturn, but Jason breaks up the pin. They hit a spinning wheel kick clothesline and then nail the super bomb for the win. So the Pitbulls manage to get the win. Jason then sexually assaults Francine until the Pitbulls attack him with a chair. Saturn then drop kicks one and hits number two with a chair. They then hit the total elimination on both Pitbulls before leaving the ring. So the Pitbulls win, but the Eliminators leave them laying, and Jason kind of gropes Francine and all that, like trying to be all touchy-feely. And that's what I meant by sexual assault. There wasn't an actual rape taking place in the ring. He was just kind of being all gropey and touchy-feely and all that shit. So... Maybe sexual assault was the wrong choice of words, or maybe it was. I don't know. Um, I I just want to clarify there was no rape taking place. She was just groped and touched and danced on. But either way, this match, like I said, overall had some great moments in it. I love the tag team wrestling, but a lot of fake moments in the match. A lot of stuff that was kind of sloppy. And the match was 11 minutes total on the dot. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got a Mexican death match. Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. Psychosis goes for a running drop kick, but Ray moves out of the way and hits a Huracurana. Psychosis then launches him onto the apron, goes for another running drop kick, and misses. Ray then goes for a West Coast pop and gets the pin. Psychosis beats the 10 count. Ray hits a Huracurana and sends Psychosis to the floor. Ray sets up the guardrail and Psychosis reverses the Irish whip, and Ray fails to jump onto the guardrail. Now, I can't tell if that was a botch or not. And also, let me just clarify here. I want to say real quick, I think this match overall was way better than Halloween Havoc 93 because there were no bullshit rest periods. And the only thing that would have made this better is if there was color, if somebody had bled in the match. But since both men wear masks, I'm willing to overlook it this one time. But whoever wasn't wearing a mask or if both of them were unmasked at this time, I would have preferred to see some color. But this is still better than the one from 93. Psychosis is a scoop slam and a moonsault for the pin. Ray somehow beats a 10 count. Either the announcer counted too fast or Ray oversold. May have been legit hurt. I can't tell in that moment, but something fell off. Psychosis is a powerbomb to counter her. Karana gets another pin. Ray beats a 10 count again. I love that Gertner counted in Spanish this time because Jewel Gertner is, you know, on the 
commentary for this match with uh, Joey Styles, and he starts going, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Now, granted, they didn't get the diez. Ray beat the ten count, but I still love that Gertner was counting in Spanish. Psychosis sends Ray ribs first in the turnbuckle and then grabs a steel chair, but decides not to use it. Why? It's a death match, and the rivalry is personal. Use the fucking weapons. I know this is something you don't hear me say often, but I'm saying it now. You're in a death match, and the rivalry you're in is very personal. They're saying, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis had a legit rivalry here in ECW that was major. There's a storyline behind it. So, yes, if there was ever a time for ECW to get out of control with weapons, this is the perfect match to do it. This is the one match where if they go crazy with weapons, it doesn't shit upon the business. Psychosis hits a one and a half inverted moonsault into a senton and gets another pin. Now, he landed on Ray's face. So I think that was a botch too. I feel like that one, that part was botched right there. Ray gets up and Psychosis finally hits a flying drop kick on Ray. Finally executes it properly and sends him into the corner. Psychosis responds with another flying drop kick. He then brings the chair in and DDTs Ray onto it. He then sets the chair up on his back and hits a moonsault onto Ray and the chair and then pins him yet again. Ray somehow gets up again and Psychosis immediately digs into his, sh- his shoulders into his ribs. He then shoots him off and drop kicks his knee. Psychosis gets the chair and puts it on his chest. Psychosis goes for the moonsault, but Ray puts the chair on his knees and then throws the chair at his face. Ray then does a springboard clothesline and knocks Psychosis off the apron. Did that way better than Saturn. That was way better than the spot with Saturn, I'll tell you that right now. Ray then does a dive onto Psychosis and lands in the crowd. Ray then does a moonsault off the apron and lands on Psychosis in the crowd. Ray then hits him with a chair as they fight out amongst the crowd. Ray stalks him with the chair and bashes him with it. Then he throws it at his face again, then does a hurricanrana from the top of the bleachers onto Psychosis and gets the pin. Ray goes back to the ring and the ref follows him. Why? Psychosis is knocked out. The ref should be there to count and see if he gets up or not. Why are you following him? Count for Psychosis. Count the 10. So Joel counts the 10 and Ray wins the match. Because the referee couldn't be bothered to make a simple fucking count. So Joel Gertner, I guess, grabs the microphone and he fucking counts and boom, there you go. So right there, that was fucking stupid. So anyway, the match is over. Ray Mysterio Jr. is the winner. And then as Psychosis is unconscious, Jason comes out to talk to Ray and says, I don't even have to tell you how great you are. You see your friend, your partner Conan disgraced me here tonight, but actually he disgraced himself. But I don't even have to tell you how great you are. I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. Ray goes leave, Jason grabs arm and says, wait, come on over here for a second. As a matter of fact, I would like to ask to manage you. You can be my little supreme fighting machine. He pats him on his head and Ray goes leave again and Jason grabs him again and says, wait, you don't know me here. What's the matter, you little bitch? What's the matter? You want to walk away from the sexiest man on earth? Or do you want me to kick your ass right here, right now? What's the matter with you, you little bitch? What's the matter? Ray then hits a spinning wheel kick and then hits an arm drag and then a botched hurricanrana. It was god-awful. Ray grabs the mic and says, You want to be my manager? You suck. The Illuminators come out and attack Ray. They hit a slingshot powerbomb and multiple leg drops, but then 911 comes out to make the save. And that's the end of that random-ass segment. I still don't know why that was even there. And that match was 14 minutes and 47 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. And this right here is a tag team match for the ECW tag team titles and the ECW TV title. The Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio defend the titles with woman 
against the public enemy. Now, in the midst of all this, Too Cold Scorpio is not only one half of the tag team champions, but Scorpio is also the television champion. So he's defending both his titles in this match, and of course, Woman is their manager. So basically, uh, I guess how this works is, the person who would score the pinfall would earn a title shot at, might be, at Mikey Whipwreck for the title later on in the event is from what I'm guessing is going on here. But I would assume the person who scored the pinfall would also get the TV title and they would get both the tag belts. At least that's the assumption that I would get here. So there's a lot of moving parts in this match that no one is clarifying. So this is very confusing. Now, Scorpio grabs the mic and says, Public Enemy, sometimes we got to give a little credit where credit is due. But right now, at this time, I want to give credit where credit is due. Sandman, what's up? But at any given point in time, if you all felt like you all don't want to take this ass whooping, there's the door. Now, Flyboy Rocker Rock, you've been coming around here doing your little thing. And I think it's time me and you had that little dance off. Rocco grabs the mic and says, what you think, boy? White men can't dance? Sandman grabs the mic and says, kick it short. Kick it. Music, maestro. Joey Styles also takes a dig at Alex Wright at WCW, implying that he can't dance. You know, making fun of Alex Wright. After some dance moments, the public enemy gets the fans moving their arms, and Scorpio and Sandman attack them from behind. They work Grunge in the corner. They whip him into the corner. Grunge ducks the clothesline, and Rock hits a flying double clothesline off the top rope. The public enemy then send them out of the ring and start doing their trademark dance. Grunge grabs the mic and says, hey, Rock, we don't have the money. We don't have the fancy cars anymore. But promise me one thing He ain't gonna take that raggedy ass And I have no idea what the fuck he says after that Like at that point he's speaking gibberish Whatever the fuck Scorpio and Sandman get back in the ring And Sandman and Grunge officially start things off they lock up, Sandman takes the head, Grunge punches himself free, hits a tackle, Sandman drops down, Leapfrog goes for a hip toss, Grunge blocks and hip tosses him out of the ring, Rock does a plancha and Scorpio does a high cross body to Grunge, both look fake as fuck, because they're all clearly waiting there to catch it, again. Rock hits a double axe handle on Scorpio and Sandman jumps into the ring and hits an elbow. They all grab chairs and run into the ring and start sword fighting with chairs until Grunge and Scorpio start brawling until Scorpio hits a low blow. Rock throws Sandman out of the ring. Grunge gets thrown out of the ring and Scorpio follows him up the ramp and hits him with a chair. Scorpio grabs a prosthetic hand from a fan at ringside and hits Grunge with it. All I can say is I hope he got that back, otherwise that can result in a lawsuit. Not smart on Scorpio's part, unless they get consent. Like, unless the person with the prosthetic limb is giving you consent, I would not recommend taking someone's prosthetic limb and hitting somebody with it. And if you do, you better make sure somebody hands it back to him, whether Scorpio does it, whether security does it, because if that guy can't find his prosthetic limb, he can sue you guys, because you're preventing him from being able to get out of the fucking building or do anything at all. Grunge does a splash onto Scorpio for a two count. Rock hits Sandman with a pumpkin pie and then sends him over the guardrail. Woman helps him get back over. Scorpio beats up a bloody grunge. Sandman tags in and jumps over the ropes and kicks grunge in the face. He then beats up on Rock who tags in and hits a flying head scissors and a tilt-a-whirl snapmare. Sandman responds with a backbreaker and then a slingshot leg drop. He hits a scoot slam and then tags in Scorpio who does a slingshot splash. Scorpio now goes to work on Rock with a sidewalk slam. Scorpio hits a crescent kick after avoiding the moonsault. Scorpio hits a double underhook powerbomb for a two count. Sandman gets tagged in and drops an elbow on Rock while looking at Grunge who is unable to make the tag. Sandman dares Grunge to get in the ring and he dives on him. Kills the anticipation for the tag. Ref should have been there to hold him back. All fucking stupid. Woman hits Rock with the kendo stick. Sandman does a plancha onto Grunge. Sandman runs at Grunge and Grunge hits a back body drop that doesn't break the table. So bad spot right there. Grunge goes for a suplex 
onto the table, but Sandman blocks and does a front suplex to put Grunge through the table. Rock attacks him from behind, then sets up Sandman on half of the table and does a slingshot somersault onto Sandman, but that half of the table doesn't break. Scorpio hits Grunge in the back of the head with a broom handle. Rock hits a Hurricanrana on Sandman, but Scorpio breaks up the pin. Scorpio then hits Rock with the broom handle and then hits a splash in the corner and a scoop slam followed by a moonsault, but Grunge breaks up the pin. Scorpio hits a spinning kick, but Rock finally makes a tag and Grunge comes in like a house of fire. Would have been better if he didn't attack Sandman earlier. Grunge holds Scorpio and Rock goes for the drop by but Scorpio rolls out of the way and Rock hits Grunge from the top rope. Sandman falls on him for the pin and the win. So the Sandman and Scorpio retain the tag team titles. Scorpio is still the TV champion and now the Sandman is going to face Mikey Ripwreck the ECW World Heavyweight title. Well, if this team was going to win, I'm glad Sandman got the pin because it wouldn't make sense for Scorpio to get three to hold three titles at one time. I mean, I got nothing against Scorpio. Scorpio's awesome, but he was a star, but he wasn't that big a star to hold three titles at once. It just it would have felt weird. But if Sandman gets it and he wins and he's got two belts and Scorpio's got two belts, then it's kind of like a version of like a two-man power trip with Austin and Triple H a little bit where one guy's the world champion, one guy's got a mid-card title, the other guy's holding the tag belts. So it would make sense... In that regard. And this match was 16 minutes and 3 seconds. And on that note, uh, technically the next match of the evening is supposed to be JT Smith versus Axel Rotten. Now, Axel Rotten went over in this match. The problem is the match was left off of the home video because at the time, ECW was doing mostly home videos. They didn't have an official pay-per-view for another couple years. But the match is left off for reasons not explained. No one's been able to explain why this was taken off. And I tried to find the match on the internet, but I can't. I literally, I dug through the bowels of the fucking internet trying to find this match. And it was nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Literally fucking nowhere. Which, again, doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know why this is match off. Is it, was there legal reasons? Could it not be shown on TV? How vile was the match that nobody would show it? It's just, it doesn't make fucking sense. So, with that said, we gotta go to the next match of the evening. We got, with Beulah McGillicuddy as a special guest referee, Todd Gordon goes one-on-one against Bill Alfonso. Bill jumps off the apron and sends Todd over the guardrail. Beulah tries to get Bill back in the ring, and Bill shoves her away. Beulah slats him, and Bill clotheslines her to the floor. Love it. Again, equal opportunity. You hit me, I hit you. None of this one-sided bullshit they try to sell in this PC fucked up world we live in today. Todd gets in the ring and attacks him from behind and starts wailing on him. Bill rolls him off. They grab each other by the shirts in a scuffle. They start exchanging blows and Todd knocks him down. Todd grabs the mic and says, Bill, you don't knock out a woman and you don't attack a man from behind. Now let's see what you got man to man. Now obviously that's Todd being a baby face, so I'm not mad at him for saying that even though, as I mentioned before, before you hit me I hit you back that should be the policy but I get why Todd's saying that because he's got to be the baby face and make Bill look like an asshole for hitting a woman even though she started the shit Todd blocks and throws punches and Bill ends up on Dream Street as he's begging for his life and wants to shake hands Todd's a clothesline and stomps on him he then dives onto him and starts choking him Todd does a running double stomp from the second rope Todd drags Bill to the other turnbuckle and Bill hits a low blow Bill then clubs Todd in the back and kicks him out of the ring Bill takes the mic and says I'm Bill Alphonse and I'm getting ready to kick Todd Gordon's ass. Bill kicks Todd, taunts the fans, and Todd hits him with a metal sheet and then slams his face into the chair repeatedly. Bill gets busted open and Todd keeps punching him until Bill dots the eyes, but Todd battles back. I have an issue with that because 
I don't think the eye poke was sold enough. I think he responded way too quickly, and he should have took more time to sell the fact you just got dotted in the fucking eyes. You can't just quickly fight back from that when your eyesight is fucking impaired. At least take a moment to, like, hold your eye or rub your eyes or something, and then you can fight back. Todd sends Bill into a steel chair held by a fan. Todd keeps punching and then throws him into the ring. Todd takes a frying pan from a fan. Bill stomps on him and takes the frying pan and goes to bash his head in. But Todd hits a low blow and then takes the frying pan and clocks him in the head with it. He goes for the cover, but there's no referee. Taz comes out to count the fall, but then Taz grabs Todd and knocks him out. He then puts Bill on top of him and counts the fall. One, two, three. Taz grabs the mic and says, you can chant his fucking name all night long. He ain't coming. Not one card. Not one letter. Not one phone call. Tommy Dreamer nearly gets his fingers busted off his hand. Everybody's crying the blues about Tommy Dreamer. Terry Funk gets beaten up right in this building. Everyone is crying the blues about the legend Terry Funk. And then the Almighty, your God, the King himself, Sabu, nearly gets his neck snapped in half by Chris Benoit, and everybody is pissing and fucking moaning about fucking Sabu. What about me? Fuck Taz, right? No, fuck you, okay? And then my buddy Paul Heyman says, Hey Taz, take your time, brother. Don't worry, you'll get back in the ring real soon. You'll get back to work real soon. Yeah, but see, Paul, the problem lies right here. My father needs a fat fucking lawyer that pays five ways to one. I gotta pay my fucking bills. Who cares about my family? Who cares about my house? Who cares about my car? I'll tell you who cares about me, and that's Bill Alfonso. Bill Alfonso wants to put food on my table. Bill Alfonso wants to put money into my pocket. The way I see it, you people don't care about me. You don't care about Bill Alfonso, so we don't give a flying Fuck about you. Tassie's a guy in the crowd time and he says, get in the ring. Look at your fucking head. I've seen better heads come out of a zipper. Get in the fucking ring. He then lays down and the guy takes his jacket off but doesn't jump the grail. Taz says, brother, I'll beat you to an inch of your fucking miserable life. Don't try me. And after I fuck you up, he'll take you out. And he's pointing at Bill Alfonso as he leaves the ring. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Overall, this was a great fight. Now, obviously, this was not a wrestling match. And it didn't need to be. Neither one of these guys are professional wrestlers. So they don't have to fight like wrestlers. But they're grown men. And grown men can fight. They don't have to wrestle. They just got to fight. They got to brawl. That's why it makes sense. These were two grown men. Non-trained wrestlers. One's a referee. The other's a promoter. And they fought it out. Although Bill Alfonso is not just a referee. He's also a manager. And they had a fight. And Taz counted the fall. Taz cut a phenomenal promo. I forgot how great of a promo Taz really was. I mean, obviously, nowadays, when you hear Taz, he's doing commentary. And he's great as a commentator, too. But I forgot how good of a promo he was. Because I didn't see too many of Taz's matches. I didn't see him wrestle a whole lot. So, as a wrestler, it was hard for me to remember how good he was. Or as a promo, how good he was. I didn't see too many of his matches. I know he wrestled in WWE, but you didn't see him often in a WWE ring wrestling. He went to commentary pretty quickly. And this match was 6 minutes and 37 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. For the ECW World Heavyweight title, Mikey Whipwreck defends the title against Steve Austin. 
And yes, that same Steve Austin. Because what happens is Sandman's on his way to the ring for the match. Steve Austin jumps the Sandman and takes him out before the match. The medics check on him and realize he's not able to compete. Steve ends up taking his place against Mikey Ripwreck. Austin grabs the mic and says, Ripwreck, get your ass out here, son. He says, tonight is the debut of Steve Austin, son. Because that clumsy-ass Sandman couldn't make it to the damn ring. I done told you once, you don't deserve to be in the same ring with me. Not even in the same damn building. You can get your ass out of the ring while he announces my name. Because my name is Steve Austin. And tonight, for a very, very short while, your name is Eric Bischoff. And of course, Austin's referencing the fact that Eric Bischoff fired him at WCW. Which is why he came to ECW for a brief period of time. Before he went to WWE to become the ringmaster and later... Stone Cold, but you know, this was the time when Steve Austin was coming into his own as a character, you know, starting to do a beer drinking guy, starting to, you know, become the badass Steve Austin that we see today. So Mikey comes out and Austin jumps Mikey and beats his ass on the outside and drops him throat first across the steel guardrail. Austin elbows Mickey and taunts him as he pulls his shirt over his head and kicks him in the gut. He then stomps away at him and then chokes him against the ropes. Austin then shoves him out of the ring and Irish puts him into the guardrail. He starts slapping him around. He then brings him back into the ring, hits a snapmare. He then hits a big boot and a leg drop for a two count. Because at the time he was uh, imitating Hulk Hogan for a while. He then throws Mikey out of the ring as Joey says, that lame ass crap ain't going to get it done here. And of course, that's Joey, you know, making fun of Hulk Hogan and making fun of WCW and other promotions because, you know, we're real wrestling over here because we use violence and weapons and blood and other stupid shit. No psychology or storytelling except from people who are actually fucking pros at this. Austin takes off his shirt and then slams Mickey onto the guardrail. Mickey sends Steve into the guardrail and starts throwing lefts and rights and knocks Steve out. Mikey throws Steve into the ring and stomps a mud hole and then shoots him off. Austin reverses and hits a stun gun for a two count. Austin starts punching and chopping Mickey out of frustration. Mickey goes for a sunset flip for the win while pulling down his tights and showing his ass. Austin gets up and starts beating the shit out of Mickey. So here's what I want to say about this. You get Steve Austin. Now, before anybody says anything or comments below, let me clarify. I am aware that at this current point in time, Steve Austin is not Stone Cold. I know that. I know it's going to be a few years before the Stone Cold gimmick comes into play. I know that he is not the number one guy yet. The Austin 316 is not even something people are thinking about at this current point in time. However, Steve Austin is still a star from another company. Because he was in WCW, which I'm sorry, was a bigger, more popular company than ECW. Steve Austin was, at the time, the biggest acquisition they fucking had. So, why would you not put the world title on Steve Austin? Especially since the whole reason Steve Austin is in ECW is because he got fucked over, in his mind, in WCW. Because Austin wanted to work all these different angles... But all the guys kept holding him down, as he was saying. The politics in WCW kept him on the ground. He wanted to work with Sting, but they were like, no, that's for somebody else. He wanted to work with Randy Savage. No, nah, that's somebody else. They said, well, why don't I do something with Hulk Hogan? No, that's for somebody else, brother. We're going to keep you right where you are. And then they said, well, why don't, why don't Pillman and I get back together as the Hollywood Blondes? No, we're going to put the U.S. title on and they're going to take it over here and all this other stuff. And none of that shit ever happened. He had this whole passionate promo about getting fucked over by politics. And you bring him to ECW and you have him job to Mikey fucking Whipwreck? This is fucking embarrassing. This is like when Chris Jericho and Jeff Jarrett jobbed to fucking Orange Cassidy. Both of those were fucking sad. I mean, seriously, this is embarrassing as fuck. 
to watch here. This is goddamn ridiculous that you would have Steve Austin job to Mikey Whipwreck. I thought that was one of the stupidest finishes ECW's ever done. It was sad, it was pathetic, and it was a waste of everybody's time. You might as well have had Sandman lose the fucking match. I'd rather see Mikey Whipwreck beat the Sandman than beat fucking Steve Austin. Another example of people not wanting to make money or be taken seriously. But again, they had such a cult following, ECW could do no wrong in the eyes of their hardcore fans. But when you make bad decisions, your company doesn't last very long. Because remember, ECW, they made it all the way to 2001 before they were done. They're goddamn ridiculous. And this match was 4 minutes and 38 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Hack Myers versus Sabu with Paul Heyman. Earlier in the night, Paul Heyman came out and asked the tech guy to dim the lights. Lights cut back on to reveal Sabu in the ring. The crowd went nuts. Because apparently Sabu was making a return. Don't know if it was from injury or if he went to WCW or WWE briefly. And I'm not quite sure what the reason was for Sandman to make a return. But he made a return. Sabu takes down Hack. He then does a snapmare and hits a springboard leg drop. Sabu hit a DDT and grabs a steel chair and does a slingshot chair shot for a two count. Sabu then grabs the arm and pulls back the fingers and wrist of Hack. Crowd chants, boring, boring. Because they prefer violence and silly high spots over actual wrestling. That That's how fucked up the ECW fans were at this time. Sabu is in the ring actually wrestling. He's actually working. He's actually trying to tell a story and use psychology and fucking... The fans are bored out of their skulls because, again, they just want to see the car crash. We don't want you to wrestle. We want you to do all the violent, stupid shit because we're bloodthirsty psychopaths who don't like to be called out for being bloodthirsty psychopaths. Hack hits a power slam for a two count. Hack hits some weird face buster from the top rope, but Sabu gets his foot on the ropes. Still find it weird that rope breaks exist in ECW. I want to say that. This is a company that pretty much is no disqualification every match. Every match has weapons. Every match is full of violence. Every match is insanity. Yet, you can still use the rope breaks in the match. Doesn't make sense to me at all. Sabu traps Hack in the ropes and has a guillotine leg drop. Sabu goes up, but Hack catches him with a powerbomb for a two count. Hack hits a standing suplex and then goes up top, but Sabu crotches him, then climbs up behind him and hits a victory roll off the top for a two count. Sabu sets up Hack on a table, grabs a chair, and Sabu jumps off the chair, flips over the ropes, and puts Hack through the table on the floor. The ref counts, and Sabu stops it. There are countouts in ECW now? Since when? When the fuck did countouts become a thing in ECW? I have watched every match on this card go out to the floor. Every fucking match, except for the squash matches that were earlier in the night. They are literally fighting on the floor every match. Not one referee counted to 10. The only referee I heard count to 10 was the referee for the Mexican death match. That's it. Other than that, there have been no counting. So when did countouts start existing in ECW? When the fuck did that happen? Again, inconsistency in your show. You gotta go all the way one way or all the way the other way. Either all your matches have countouts, none of them have countouts, or if there's not gonna be a countout, specify it for the audience. Tell the audience what the fuck is going on so we can follow along with your show. That's why you have announcers, why you have commentators, to explain shit to us. So we're not in the dark. Because we need to know what's going on, because we're not in your fucking production meetings. Sabu hits an atomic Arabian face buster for the win. So Sabu wins the match. Like I said, a lot of crazy shit. And the crowd chanting boring showed me uh, how ridiculous wrestling fans can be sometimes. 
And this match was 12 minutes and 55 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the main event of the evening. This is a tag team match. We have Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer versus Raven and Cactus Jack. Terry grabs the mic and says, I want to say one thing. Forever, forever, forever and ever. Cactus Jack, get your ass out here. I will remember what happened last time forever, you asshole. Cactus grabs the mic and says, Why don't you stop wasting my fucking time and get your ass out here? Come on, Terry. Terry gets out of the ring and Cactus goes into the ring. Raven and Cactus prevent them from getting back in the ring. Dreamer and Funk finally get in the ring and they all start brawling. Funk and Dreamer toss them out of the ring and start fighting. Funk fights off both Raven and Cactus until Dreamer attacks Raven. They get in the ring and Funk knocks Cactus over the guardrail and he then throws the chair in the ring and hits Raven. Funk grabs a garbage can full of weapons and brings it into the ring. He grabs a speed limit sign and hits Cactus with it. Dreamer and Cactus put Stevie Richards in a shopping cart and sends it into the ring post. Funk hits Cactus with a shovel. Dreamer hits Raven with a VCR and a remote control. Funk hits the ref with a dustpan and then Raven and then Cactus. Funk hits Raven in the nuts with a golf club. Raven hits Funk with a BCR and Cactus hits Dreamer with a chair. Raven chokes Funk with a toilet seat. Raven hits Dreamer with a dustpan. Cactus and Raven use a chain to double clothesline Dreamer. Cactus stabs Dreamer in his injured arm. Raven is busted open. He brings Dreamer back into the ring and they try to use the chair again, but he dives onto it causing Raven and Cactus to butt heads. Dreamer hits a DDT on Raven, but Cactus hits him with a speed limit sign. Cactus chokes Dreamer with his Dungeon of Doom t-shirt. Dreamer and Cactus exchange blows, and then Dreamer grabs the Eric Bischoff shirt, pulls it over Cactus's face, and then punches him like he's punching Eric. He then clots him with a garbage sign. Funk climbs back in the ring, but Cactus cuts him off and hits him with a double-arm DDT onto the steel chair. He goes for the cover, but there's no referee. Raven does a plancha onto Dreamer. Raven goes for the cover, and Cactus counts to three. Doesn't count because Cactus isn't the official or licensed to be one. Cactus takes out Dreamer with a fan's crutch. Bill, Alfonso, and Taz come out to make the official count, but Funk kicks out. Bill snaps and stomps on him. Taz goes to make a count, but Dreamer stops him. They stare each other down until Raven jumps in from behind. Dreamer hits a leaping DDT on Raven, followed by a normal one. He then hits a pile driver onto the steel chair, knocks Cactus out of the ring, and the ref comes to and counts the fall as Funk covers Raven. Cactus comes back in and hits a double arm DDT on Dreamer. Stevie Richards gets in and Dreamer super kicks him. Dreamer wraps barbed wire around Raven's neck as Cactus wraps a TV cable wire around Funk's neck. And that's pretty much the entire match there. So overall, this was a good tag match. You know, a lot of violence, a lot of craziness, uh, funny-ass weapons, which, again, is expected in ECW. Cactus was great. I never seen Foley drop an F-bomb, or if I did, it was maybe one time. So to hear Foley cuss is very weird to hear him drop F-bombs. Also, he's wearing a Dungeon of Doom shirt because Cactus' old gimmick was coming from WCW and using WCW stuff to get heat, like the Eric Bischoff shirt that he had on as well because... You know, obviously in ECW, everyone hates Eric Bischoff because they hate WCW, they hate WWE because back then promotions were territorial in that regard. They would bash other companies, they would bash other people, you know, because they were all competing for the best spots. Now, in real life, there were some people in different promotions who hate each other, but overall the wrestlers were friends and all knew each other and all worked together. So there was camaraderie in that regard, but at the same time, they were competing against each other. So... I love the brutality in this. I thought it was very well done. And this match was 13 minutes and 36 seconds.
And it was a great way to end what was overall a crazy pay-per-view with some good moments and a lot of stupid decisions. But that's to be expected in, you know, ECW during this time. You know, there was a lot of uh, turmoil and craziness. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend anybody watch this pay-per-view unless you're a diehard ECW mark. Then you would love this pay-per-view. But if you're somebody who actually loves wrestling and loves the business, this pay-per-view is not for you because you're going to hate 95% of it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of ECW November to Remember 1995. I thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you got the male soap opera moment. See our predictions for WWE Crown Jewel. Find out who was right and who was wrong and be on the lookout for our recap of WWE Crown Jewel coming soon. We were supposed to tape it last week but uh, Wens had some work issues um, that went down so we had to uh, reschedule for another week and at least he had the fucking courtesy to let me know what was going on so I wasn't really that upset but we will be putting out Crown Jewel soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. We latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell. Be notified when future content will be posted. I'm still working on the Dark Side series stuff. I'm um, obviously Dark Side of the Ring. We're going to be working on that. Looks like I'll be doing those a few of those myself due to the circumstances I mentioned earlier in the show. I'm about to start recording Dark Side of the 2000s because I got those episodes ready to go and I'm working on Dark Side of Comedy. I just got uh, some episodes researched. Now I gotta wait for the new ones to drop so I can check those out and then eventually get some comics together to talk about each of the uh, episodes. So that'll be coming out uh, at a later date as well. So all that's coming to the YouTube channel. So subscribe now to check it out. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November 25th for WWE Survivor Series. We're still finalizing everything right now because I still need to talk to Buff at some point and find out if I'm going to be uh, going to uh, WrestleCade. I have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life I don't want to talk about right now that hopefully I can work around while going to WrestleCade. Um, but if I'm able to go to WrestleCade, then I will, of course, be with Buff at WrestleCade on the 24th and 25th of November, which means the team will have to get together and do a Survivor Series watch party if they're able to get fucking organized and have their shit together. Uh, but if I don't end up going to WrestleCade, then I'll be doing the Survivor Series watch party and getting the people together that I can get together for for the show. So we will see what happens. Be on the lookout. Check us out on Twitch. It's going to be fun. Because we also have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle. And another special project in the works. And of course you can support the Boochcast. By going to podcasters.spotify.com. Slash pod. Slash show. Slash the Boochcast. Slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation. To help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level which is 99 cents. One dollar per month. We have our second level which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since it's sold to the Peacock, you got to know where to put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content at the network, and unlike the Elite, we actually care about our fans dedicated to giving the people what 
they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and please don't be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.